NCRP Productions presents On the Road, Dundracon 46. Welcome and good evening. We are going to be doing the Dundracon talk, the post Dundracon 46 discussion for those of us who made it down to. Again, Dundracon. I've said that so many times, it's now sounding like I need to fix that. But we're going to be talking with the group that went down and kind of see what everyone did and what you liked, what you didn't like. So starting off, this is Barry. I'm here, I guess, leading this thing. Hey, everybody. It's Pedro. Also here, probably should be leading something. In you some probably extent, should. But, Absolutely. Uh, maybe I'll do some leading. So Hi, everyone. It's your DM, Dave. I do the Star Wars Fantasy Flight games. Pleasure to be here. Hello, everyone. This is David, the hard pain fan. <laughs> and uh, this is Ty, the uh, the fifth guy. The fifth guy. <laughs> the guy we added because we needed somebody to right. pull the other side of the wheel There was an empty seat, and they're like, yeah. they're, the seat's going to go bad if no one sits we, in it. Yeah, we need to balance it out. I just yeah. love that I accidentally took your name because I'm always DM David, and you're always Dave. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, so I need to clarify that. <laughs> and, 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 that was funny. Dave, David for this for this one, David. Right, right. He's also the GM so for the Dave's Shadow switched, Run. But I, I think we can roll with that. So, Thundercon, we as a group made the decision that we were going to head down. We invited quite a number of the people from the podcast. The five of us ended up getting to go down. Mm-hmm. It was February 17th through 20th. It would have been President's Day weekend. We chose to go a day early. We went down on Thursday. So the drive down, uh, Pedro, you and I rode together. It was pretty easy. Yeah, honestly, it was it was pretty straightforward. I mean, we talked uh I mean, honestly, we talked mostly like podcast stuff. That's true. That's true. And nobody wants to hear about that. So Dave and Ty, David and Ty, we'll use the names we normally use. David and Ty, you guys drove together. Anything interesting on the drive down? I mean, yeah. I mean, what you can't spend six hours in a car with someone and not have an interesting time, right? Yes, you can. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Yeah. At at Burger King, you guys were saying you were talking about something interesting. Oh yeah. So we, you know, what what else are you going to do on a six and a half hour drive with fellow nerds? Then other than talk about nerd stuff. So we were having a debate about what qualifies as low fantasy. It was a very long discussion and extended far beyond our lunch break and into the car ride to the hotel and i won't get into the points because i feel like if i make david's point for him he'll feel embarrassed but needless to say uh the discussion's over points were made and <laughs> discussion was finished i you know i mean you can it's share your you, no i i'm I, interested yeah so we were having to talk about what it considers low fantasy and you know, for me, high fantasy is high magical. It's a world of wonder. It's not just, oh, there's elves. Oh, someone can cast Firebolt. It's, hey, how easy is my life? Because how prevalent, like in, you know, major franchises like Harry Potter, stuff like that. Like, hey, I can just walk around with a cup that fills with water. This is mundane to me. The magical has become mundane. So low fantasy has to be, it doesn't mean that, oh, there's no magic. It just means there's less of it. But. It's, the point of contention was that David thought that D and D was low F- fantasy. Five E, five E specifically. I yeah no, I'm I'm still calling your bull ass on it's, that. It's five E is low fantasy. <laughs> Fe- 
third 3.5 is a high fantasy because you're casting like 24 spells for one spell slot. Like way higher, way more castability, way more versatility. Yeah, I, I will say D&D 5e like raw rules really does want you to restrict magic weapons. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I would Yeah, consider- nothing goes over a plus 3 if I understood the rules right. Yeah, yeah it- but like even like it's just they don't <laughs> want you to hand out magic weapons. Like they really want magic weapons to be yeah. like this huge thing. But Aya came from three point five, which mm-hmm. is definitely the high fantasy. Like, oh I no! Okay, thank you. No. Me, thank you. No. Thank okay, you. Wait, no. Wait, okay, maybe. No, 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 no. These are different shades of red. Like this is all high fantasy. Like, oh, technically this one you don't get the longsword to le- you know magical longsword to level seven. Like everyone and their mother in D anD D can cast magic. There's no scarcity of magic. There's effectively one class that can't cast magic, right? Like, everyone else can some way, shape, or form get access to it. Yeah, actually... Everyone can cast magic. Even, uh, yeah, yeah, even for that matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, never mind. Everyone can cast magic. <laughs> That's fair. There's no yeah. scarcity. For me, low magic or low fantasy, amongst other things, but predominantly for this argument, is a scarcity of magic. And D&D, for me, is not that. It is... Everything, like, magic is the most common, like, hey, heat up that pot of water cast prestidigitation on it cool thanks done like that's the world they you know they've painted so here's my thing dave you basically played every edition of D and and fairly heavily more than i think all of us as a group combined yeah what's your feeling uh with these kind of parameters they've set up what do you feel about low and high fantasy which editions are low are any of the editions high well i think yeah having played each version of D to date i think the level of fantasy, whether it be low, mid, or high, has to do with more than the presence or uh, absence of magic. It's about what is fantastical about that game, about that setting. Is it magic? But also, what kind of fantastical creatures exist in that setting, right? Is an orc something that's rarely seen or feared across the land, but no one's really seen one or lived to tell the tale? Or are they rampant everywhere you go? No matter if you go out of town, do you run into a pack of orcs no matter what? I think that kind of helps delineate high fantasy from low fantasy and along with what david and uh ty are saying and you guys are saying with uh the, you know the absence you know who can you know if there's a lot of spell use that's widely you know commonplace or are magic users like shunned and, and feared because they're so few and far between so if we were to cap this let me let me ask i'll start with ty hmm. fifth versus 3.5 which one is higher fantasy I mean, they're 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 both just fantasy in my opinion. Neither, okay. no, neither not, high nor low. No, they're not. They're not high or low. Like I can easily think of low fantasies. I can think of high fantasies. They are middle of the road. They're on a scale of one to a hundred. It's a difference of fifty to fifty-one. Like they're right there next to each other. Both my, of them. Okay. Right but there in the middle. David, for you, high fantasy, low fantasy That's, is is fifth and three point five. Are they different? Oh, vastly. Okay. Um, which I, is which? So I appreciate everyone's like comments, and I I really like with what Dave was saying, and what Ty is trying to point at. If I was to play like. Kingdom Come, right? I am playing a medieval historical setting. That's not a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. That's a medieval setting. I am playing a fantasy game, so magic has to be in there. That's what sure. makes it fantastical. 3.5 is absolutely high fantasy because of how you can make equipment, because of how pro- uh, prolific magic is in everyone's world in life, how common it is, how versatile and, and spontaneous it can be in the amount. Back in a 3.5 character can cast way more spells for each tier 
than 5e. 5e, 100%, as Pedro was saying, brought that down. They really wanted to number crunch, and I respect that, and I agree to it. It's just you can feel it in the world when you're like, hey, I cast... Instead of casting Detect Magic is like snap of your finger cantrips, it's now a first level spell, and you're like, I can cast that three times today, and I am burnt, and I'm spent, I need to go make myself a sandwich, I'm done. That's low fantasy. So, 3.5 is high? 3.5 is high. Fifth is low for you? Is low. Tie, they're both basically equal, They're Un- unidentifiable as high or low. There's, there's so many more fantasy worlds out there that for me categorizing 3.5 and 5 as being low and high is 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 too much of a simplification okay so dave i'm gonna let you take the closing argument on this fifth 3.5 which one's high which one's low what's your feeling i think that um in my experience i think 3.5 would be high fantasy because i think the way they designed that particular version it was to have those mechanisms layered on top of each other and then used as a whole so you could you had way more options that were that had a synergy that you could use together i think in fifth edition i think they tried to get back to a more simplified rule set but still giving the the players the options of obtaining things like you know permanent magic items and things like that okay and with that you were the only one of us who drove down without company what'd you do on the drive down well, you know, I listened to an audio book that was a, a friend gave me. Actually, you gave me. And, yep. uh, you know, it was very interesting. And uh, it was kind of nice to just sit there and be read to for, you know, several hours and enjoy the ride. And I was able to get to the hotel and settle in nicely and, and relax and, and, you know, get ready for the uh, festivities. Yeah. So by the time we got down there, everyone checked in. I have been down there before. Dave went with me last year. We went to Henry's High Life. Arguably for me, in San Jose and anywhere else, the best barbecue I've ever had. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I I had to text a couple friends the, the pictures of the food. And yeah, surprisingly for those around here, I mean, all we really have for barbecue, I think, is Porter Street. And then there was another Humboldt place, Smokehouse, Sammy's closed, Barbecue. Though, right? but, but Nope, they're still there. Okay. I haven't been to... We know I have been to Sammy's. But yeah, based, the place Henry's we went to was better than all of those. It's the um, best and I I've really, ever had. And I love the barbecue sauce and the barbecue at Porter Street. But this this was this was just either it was just really different or it was better. How I about, think it's better. How about you guys? How does it rank on your barbecue scale? So, first off, first time down there, uh, first convention. It was an amazing experience. You guys were jerks because you put me in the seat that faced right towards the cooking. So you guys are like talking to each other, and I'm just watching fresh baked potatoes, glistening <laughs> steaks. Just and I'm like, oh, this is so tantalizing. Um, it was good. It was good. It was for the price, absolutely amazing. I have a picture of it. I don't have a, like a high media social media influence but i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take a picture of my food i'm yeah, we, i'm one of them now guys <laughs> we um, all were there just oh yeah i snapped pictures sent yeah. it to everyone up here showed it to my co-workers when i came back and they're like yeah that's some good food i'm like oh it was it was worth every bite dave how about you the second time at least for you yeah that's actually the third time i've been there you know th- so i used to travel for work and and i you know best barbecue i ever had was in lexington kentucky by far i mean the place it was so good that I was trying to buy, you know, the sauce off. But I mean, anything I could have done to get it, they wouldn't give it to me. It was absolutely out of this world. But Henry's High Life is in a great place. It's definitely in the top five. I mean, they, they make a really, really good rib. Their sauce is great. The chicken was excellent. I think the only thing they're really lacking on, or I think their sides could, could use a little help. Yeah, yeah you know? I agree with I that. Agree. I think if they mm-hmm. got the sides thing down, I mean, that place would be probably the best place that I've been to. 
You know, it's just, uh, yeah. Ty, you're not even nodding your head. Tell us, what are you thinking? Oh no, it was a it was a fantastic meal through and through. You know, I got the the pork ribs, and they were absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm always I'm a real like a what's the word I'm looking for? I'm a big tourist, right? So I love going to anywhere that's famous. So when I was like, oh, this Man vs. Food been here? Like I gotta go. That's, yeah, and that's it. Man v. Food. Right. Did an episode in San Jose. They right. were part of it. No, that, that's my standard procedure. You know, I was in Kansas City three months ago, and uh, we we're like, where are we gonna eat? Like looked up diners, drive-ins, and dives, and like, have they been? To places in here like they, they've been to two i'm like well i know where we're eating tonight like that's any place that's remotely famous i'm gonna be like i gotta get my picture in front of the giant fucking ball yarn or something so following day after laying down and yeah, sleeping no, on a huge giant mass of meat no gaming that day pre everything for you getting set for, up yes yeah. for me no. oh wait no no this is thursday you're yeah, right. Yeah. Thursday. right right so right. on, yeah, on to friday yeah we we register we get in what did everyone do? I was a complete and utter loser. I went to my accountant. So everyone else gets to tell a story. Yeah, exactly. I ran a game on Friday. So I, I ran Bunkers of Badasses, the uh, Borderlands uh, role-playing game. It was part of the pre-reg session. So for the people that registered and paid for the con online beforehand, were able to sign up for my game. You know, I had a, had a full group. Uh, it went really, really well. I think everyone had a great time, and it went smoothly. Ty, what'd you do Friday night? Oh, man. Well, boy, let me tell you. I played in a fucking war game. It was amazing. (laughs) Friday night you played in a war game. Was it a con-sponsored one, or you just got a bunch of people together? No, no, it was a con-sponsored one. So how the the con works is they got, you know, all these different session brackets, and the con technically starts noon Friday, and the first-time bracket is from noon to 6, which is what's considered the P session, which is only there for people who pre-registered. And that's where Dave's game was. He was in P session. But starting at 6 p.m., session one starts. There's eight sessions in total, not including the P. And I had signed up for a specifically, it's called the Battle in the Slot. It is not sexual. Uh, it is <laughs> it, it is in reference to the second battle of Guadalcanal. The area between the islands is called the Slot. And uh, we played a, a rule system called General Quarters Three. No one else here is a super big historical war gamer. Nope, sadly um, that's true. I am the I am the one. I am the black sheep of the group. When Every it comes group's got to gotta have one. You were in like pretty much all the war games. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Comes to an RP convention to role play war games. Yeah, correct. I go to an RPG convention <laughs> and I'm in the historical war games section because I am a nerd amongst nerds. Just to let people know, Ty was able to get into basically. Everything he tried. Every yeah. game yeah. I wanted. Every game I wanted, I got into. And actually, there's the there's the one... The, and the reason for that is because, strangely enough, not a lot of people wanted to get into historical war games at an RPG convention, so I really didn't have much competition, which was great, actually. Um, prefer, I actually preferred it that way. There was one RPG I got into, and it had a pretty high, like, you know, a lot of people wanted to get into it. But that's a story for uh, that's later. A little, that's a little later. Yeah, it's later. David, Pedro, Friday. What you guys do Friday evening? So Friday, Friday day evening. Friday. So Friday, I didn't get into any games. I think Friday we ended up just going to some game stores, right? That was the game store. Yeah. Day. Well, I was at the account. Yeah. You guys were at the game stores. Yeah. I think you guys went to. Did you go to Game Castle? Was that? Yeah. 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 We we we, sh- we ran down to Game Castle, which was cool. I generally just go to these stores and be like, okay, let's compare this to Barry's shop and see. <laughs> and most of the time, it's Barry's shop has all this stuff, and except like some types will just have more like Warhammer. Right. That's like right. they'll have the, depth. I, I've, I've yet, uh, aside from shops that have like a massive selection of used books, 
that's that you which honestly that's what I'm always looking for uh, me too and I didn't um, find any this time yeah I will say Game Castle had a lot of different war game stuff they did so it was really cool to see all of the different types yeah there were some neat ones that Ty you know pretty much them all so I know them all to, like run down the aisles and Ty would be like this is the story of this one yeah. everyone was just like a neat little tour <laughs> yeah. of war game that's why I like Game Castle a lot of hobby shops are more like oh we do RPGs or we do you know magic cards if it's if it's a shop that does magic cards, I don't even I don't even roll down the window. Like yeah. I just keep driving. But RPG stores are definitely a must go. And then any kind of war gaming stores where I stop. And yeah, I like Game Castle. You know, I lived in Sacramento for a while, and they had one there, and it was um, yeah, it was one of my favorite stores there. And any you know what I like about them is unlike some stores where they're like, oh, we stopped. You want war games? I got Games Workshop. What else you got? I got Games Workshop. It's like all right. They were like, oh no, we got you know Song of Ice and Fire. We got Infinity. We have Bolt Action. We have Flames of War. We have you know, con- uh, Conquest of Kings, you know, all these things, uh, Fallout Wasteland Tactics, these are all things that were in that store. Even though it was a r- relatively small store, they had a pretty large variety. Unfortunately, what you pay for that is, you know, the other things they don't have much of. So the Game Castle didn't have very many RPGs, for example. Mm-hmm. It, they, it's the inverse, right? So instead of it just having Games Workshop, it has just D&D. You got any other RPGs? What other RPGs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David, you went with them. What yep. was your feeling on the Game Castle? Uh, it was a great experience seeing from your store going out to a, like a bigger city. Uh, I agree 100% with what Ty and Pedro are kind of describing. They're always great to check out. Even if you don't want to buy anything, it's just cool to see because um, we did stop at other ones later in the, the session. Yep. Um, and it's a great way to find books that you would never think you would never see. I was really interested in like a war game. I forget what it was called. Conquest of Kings. Conquest of Kings. It just has. Uh, yeah. Or, sorry, sorry, no, no. Conquest of Kings. I misspoke earlier. Last Argument of Kings. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just great looking stuff. And it's just wonderful because you're like, hey, like, I, you know, in the future, I might want to get this. This is a great start to something. And it's just, they were really friendly store, really friendly staff, and just a, kind of a good section. But that's where I would go if I was looking more for war games, miniatures. Um, I wouldn't have gone there if, like, if I was going to go look for an RPG. I'd rather go to your store because I know you have a bigger book selection. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure, that makes sense. Dave, what did you do Friday afternoon, evening, after you were done with your Bunkers and Badasses game? Yeah, after Bunkers and Badasses, I think I checked out the, the dealer's room really quick before it closed. What was your thoughts for the dealer's room versus last year? Because you know, I, I was, had some yeah. opinions. I did too. You know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was as satisfying as what it's been in previous years. Like my favorite t-shirt vendor wasn't there. There were some other guys selling some Hawaiian shirts or something, you know, and it's cool. I get it. They got to, you know, do their thing and, 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 you know, bring their wares and crafts, you know, to the to the con. You know, I just, uh, I miss the, the, the t-shirt guy was something I always look forward to and, uh, it wasn't as satisfying as it's been in past years, but I still had a good time. The Goodman Games guys are always awesome. The ChessX guys are always like, you know, look into, you know, the you know, the Lost Ark of the Covenant. You know, right. it's like jewelry shopping. Yeah, right. It's really cool. So I mean, you know, it's fun. Uh, I think we could do less with the Chachkis, you know, and just get more. Yeah, you know, that um, was my feeling too. In fact, I think I mentioned it to quite a few of you guys that this year it just there seemed like there was an unbelievable number of connected things, but not gaming stuff so hats and handmade dice and you know trinkets and and there was uh, Pedro and I saw the uh, LARP guys that were doing yeah. live action dystopia that was okay they 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 had some good costumes that was yeah. that was neat they they had a demonstration that if I it sounded fun 
but I had other things that I wanted to do. So if I didn't, if I did have anything to do, that, that would have been something interesting to see. Okay. I'm on the opposite end, though. I love tchotchkes, okay. so I'm like, I, I wish there was more tchotchkes. So it worked for Pedro. <laughs> I, I wish it was. So I Pedro, wish. I, my, that. I had a good time. I, I'm a sucker for a bunch of booths, so mm-hmm. I went through there. I found some cool stuff. Got to get some gifts for a few people. Uh, I will say that I feel like. There was more board games, like board game stuff yeah. than yeah. needed to yeah, be. Yeah, there was a lot of Mind board you, games that, that was both for that and later on the um, flea market, too. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that one, but, too. But, yeah, I think I think more RPGs would have been fun and more tchotchkes for me. Okay. Um, yeah, more RPGs would have been nice for me, too. I liked seeing Indie Press Revolution there. Yeah. And, and there recently, some, well... The, uh, the Goodman Games, I think, booth was probably the best, one of the better sure, booths. Sure, they, they had so like, much of their stuff there. It was beautiful. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later, but I got to try that system, which makes me want to like get more of their stuff. Well, so. let's pop into Saturday. Right? So Saturday morning, session two, and then session three, and then session four was all Saturday. What did everyone do? Dave, you didn't run any other games, did you? I did. On Saturday, I actually ran. So I had an event uh, to run Mute Crawl Classics. It was on Goodman Games calendar that I ran as like an open game for anybody that wanted to learn the system. And, you know, we... uh, you know, first it was just Pedro and I, and yeah. and then a guy that was in my Bunkers and Baddest game come looking for us because I told him I was going to be running it. And then we had another guy walk up with the book that you know the Mute Crawl Classics book that mm-hmm. he just bought. So he was like, "Oh, you guys are going to play." So he sat down, and another guy was like, "You're playing Mute Crawl Classics? I'm in." Mm-hmm. So we ended up having a really good group for that, and uh, we ran the kind of a zero level intro uh, scenario, and I think everybody had a good time. Yeah, that, that was, was it awesome. Was, it was a super fun time because yeah. we ended up doing, and we had talked talk back and forth about doing zero level or first level, and I'm really glad we did zero level because it was, it was really fun, especially character creation. It's all random dice. You mm. get to have a bunch of fun little... When you're zero level, you don't have your full like mutant abilities and everything, but you get kind of like a preview of what's coming. Yeah. and So it was cool. It was a fun little adventure, and the exploration on it was really neat. So it was. It made me want to play it again. So I highly recommend it. We're gonna skip Ty for a second. David, what'd you do Saturday morning, so, afternoon, evening? Uh, so Saturday morning, I didn't because as Ty described, there's three slots. There's a morning, like a middle, and then an afternoon or a late night. I had an afternoon slot getting to test the Exalted system. Oh wow! Uh, this which is one, the new Exalted. This was Exalted First Edition. Wow. Uh, okay, so back to the original White mm-hmm. Wolf from years back. And so I was super excited. This has kind of been a system I'm very interested in because it's very High fantasy, um, because you are callback, callback, yeah, callback. It's mostly because we just you throw put, out that label for anything nowadays. Yeah, it is. It's everyone gets it. It's a very high-powered system, and I never, never got to try it. Sadly, the system was supposed to be a combat-intensive, like very heavy one. Me and four other people signed up. Me and two other people showed up, and I got stuck with my first ever group game with teenagers and younger, and that just didn't really like kickoff the dm also was admitted to us that he was you know only going to want to run in a combat system wasn't set up for an rp story but we muddled through it it was a good way to practice and then essentially there was a point in the story where we're supposed to be like very powerful characters and the the immersion chocolate bar i got turned into a chocolate bar guys (laughs) (laughs) i got in a fantasy medieval setting like we were talking about like medieval europe I, I, our team meets a wizard and he pretty much like approaches our table and he's like, 
I know you guys are like divine demigods. And we're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, chocolate bar. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you're a chocolate bar, like a Hershey's bar specifically. You don't know what chocolate is. You don't know what this is. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and then he's like, you know, hey, like, you know, it's time for lunch. What do you guys want to do? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Chocolate bars for everyone. I'm out. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm sorry, man. I got friends. Uh, we're going to go someplace. You know, yeah. if I didn't realize we were going to have a lunch break for like 30 minutes, I might as well just make it the rest of the evening. That being said, the system was still very fun to experience. The DM did the best he could with what he was given, and that's all you can really ask for from people. But yeah, for me, it's always a big turn off when you, you mix sci-fi and fantasy, and that wasn't the setting. So yeah, don't turn me into chocolate. Okay. <laughs> Noted. Well, I will tell you that for the morning, I was lame as far as gaming goes, and I went and watched my nephew play rugby. So yeah. Ty, tell us about the war games. Ba- Barry goes to a gaming convention, doesn't play games. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I'm going to come back with it's one. A, it's a different type of Fairly game. Fairly quick, but I'm going to let you go first. All right. Well, you know, I got into both my games for the day, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, interesting. You know, it was actually... It they, they were fantastic. So, so session two, I had a Stalingrad game, which uses the fireball forward rule system. So it's another historical war game. You're going to see a, a pattern here. And it was fantastic. It used 15 millimeter scale models. There is a GM. Unlike a lot of popular war games, fireball forward requires a GM. So there has to be a player who doesn't play, who orchestrates any kind of events, hidden movement, things like that. And I thought that just helped with the immersion intensely. He did a really great job. It was three players or three players, and only one of us had ever played the rule system before. So for having six people who had never played a war game before, this specific war game at least, he did a fantastic job. Very kind man, and it was incredible. It was the best kind of war game, you know? So it came down to the last turn, to the last activation, to the last die roll. Uh, without can't going, ask for better. Can't ask for better. Can't ask for better. Like the the objective, the you know, the, we created the Battle of Stalingrad. So Germans versus Russians. Germans had to control four or five buildings. They controlled three. There was the fourth one. They had there's only guy in there was a lone commissar with a pistol, and the German squad had to pass a morale check to charge the building. Since it's one dude, there's no test to even kill him. So if they make the charge, they just win, and they're the last activation. It's turn five. So after this, the game's over. They roll it to d6. Four up. They pass. He rolled a three and everyone exploded. Everyone started cheering and oh my God, like and because of that one failed morale check at the very last turn of the game, it was a draw. I think by far the best, one of the best endings I've had to a war game in a long time. It was so much fun. So that was my session one in the morning session. You know, what's really cool about this event is we are all, we all went as a group, right? And, uh, but we all go do our own things. Absolutely. And uh, how it you know works is like, man, I just like you you step out and it's kind of like passing through time. You're like, oh my god, like the sun's up. Like, what's going on? Where am I? And you know, text message group. And I think I, I think David brought me food or something, or maybe it was, no, it was uh, Pedro and Pedro and Barry. I yeah, don't know. Someone yeah. br- someone brought me food at some point, and it was super awesome. And I hung out for a while because I had another game at three, which is the session two slot. And that was actually the second half to that same Stalingrad game, which was super awesome. I won't go into crazy details about it, but needless to say, it was a great time. Same GM, different board, different missions, and that took me in through the rest of the night for until afterwards when we all went out to the hot tub and stuff and hung out and had a great time just drinking beers and enjoying ourselves. Absolutely. Dave, were you able to get anything other than the uh, Mutant Crawl Classics on Saturday? Yeah, I uh, about... 
two in the afternoon, I went into a Deadlands game. <clears throat> oh. And I've always been a I've been a long time Deadlands fan, ever since Pinnacle released its first edition back in like. 99 or something yeah so this was the first time i got to try the savage worlds edition uh so i was pretty excited about that game master had a good feel of the game you know pedro was in the game with me you know so i got to play this harold character you know and you know it was during mardi gras and the guy had a good sense of real world kind of history of mardi gras and how he mixed in the the deadlands you know weird west trope it was really cool so that was a fun game that was a cool game i enjoyed it Pedro, anything that, you want to add? Because did yeah. you do another game other than Deadlands on Saturday? No. So, so in tell the, us. In the morning, I you know had looked and I was like, okay, I didn't get any of my morning games. That's fine. And then when the afternoon popped, I I remember looking multiple times. Ty remembered looking. David remembered. Everybody remembered looking and didn't see my name anywhere. And then I get a call at about two oh five from Dave, who is like, "You're on the roster. Get up here." And I'm like, "Oh shit, I got a game." So I ran up there, and yeah, I was on the list, which I then think I looked online and again did not see my name, which then appeared the next day in that slot. So, anywho, I got to be in the Deadlands game, which was one of the ones that I really wanted to be in because I, too, love Deadlands a lot. And yeah, the, the Game Master ran it good. I've only got to read the newest um, Savage Worlds of the Suede rules, but had fun with it. He did have a good grasp on the rules and the story. And yeah, it was a cool story. He like tied in an old song that they still sing and what wait if i ever cease to love if i ever cease to love yeah yeah yeah. and he tied the lyrics into the story really well Mm -hmm. i think one of my favorite parts so it was it was it it was a pretty short adventure but he got to use the playing cards skill yeah we got to use the playing cards and we used those for the skill challenge which he had us we had to get 20 successes the six of us before three rounds and I, at first I was like, okay, I've heard of this, you know, let's see how it's in practice. Is it going to be slow? But he did a great job of being like, okay, everybody discuss, where's the first person going? Make your role. The first person would go, get like a little story moment, could bring it back to the group. We'd discuss and it'd be like, okay, well, you did that. Well, now you can take that information and go do this. And so we got to have a nice little role play skill challenge. We ended up making it, getting the info we need and being able to continue the story. So... It was cool. It was very Deadlands, and I was glad I got to see the new rules. I got to get into one of the games that I very much wanted to, and that was the Gamma World game. Yeah. I got in on, I think, I want to say it was the Saturday evening. Got to play. He listed it as Gamma World D&D, which I had no idea what that was supposed (laughs) to be because Gamma World's Gamma World. It's not D&D. It's never been D&D. Turns out it was the 7th edition, which is the edition with the Pogs. Not really a campaign-oriented game, but what I like about the game is that it's very quick. Ten minutes or less to build a character, Mm -hmm. a character that is viable. You can have a lot of fun putting together. You kind of figure out what you're doing. You have a random selection of mutations, a random selection of artifacts that you play with, and you just go. We got moving. He had some kind of a story set up, and the beginning of the story seemed to flow fairly well. We were team friendly as well. We had one teen, and I think everybody else there was no younger than 45. So I'm not sure how the, the, the teenager enjoyed it. 
I played for a bit, but as the day waned on, sleep started catching, or sleep deprivation started catching up with me, and I ended up stepping out before the the big challenge, whatever that was going to be, happened. But I had a pretty good time getting to relive Gamma World in one of the editions that I really didn't play that much. I played mostly first and fourth. Did anyone else get another game in on Saturday? I believe that's when we got our Nemesis board game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so oh, yeah. you're saying you didn't get to play another game. I see how it is. You don't care about us. Well, well no, he, he I didn't. didn't. Yeah. I played Twilight Imperium, started about Ooh. 9 o'clock or 9.30 with a guy mm-hmm. who was really into it. So we were able to just sit down and literally start building the universe and played. We played to about 1, 1.30, and then we were... You know, crash now because we had eight o'clock games the next day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So let's cool. move on to Sunday uh-huh. <laughs> and eight o'clock early games. Pedro, what'd you do Sunday? Uh, so Sunday, I ended up getting into the second Deadlands game that I signed up for. However, the when I had signed up, I don't think I realized that they were the same game with the same name. Uh-huh. So I somehow got into that one, and that's when I also looked back and was like, "Oh, my name's on this first one now. Strange." So I didn't want to play the same game twice, and the J- game master said at the first one, like, "Hey, you know, if this one's the same tomorrow, so if you want to play, you can, but it's going to be the same story." Uh, but David really wanted to get into that game yep. and did not, so I ended up going with him to that one to see if we could just like swap places. So I had fun because I, I didn't while I didn't get into a game, it did open up time for me to be able to get David into that game so he could play Deadlands and have fun. And then it gave me enough time to get down to the auction in time to see that for a bit before the evening game. And then for the evening, I didn't get into anything that night. But the one thing that I wanted to get into, which not only myself and others at this table wanted to get into, but like 21 other people put their like mm-hmm. prior uh, wedge into it. I think that's it. it, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people. That was the uh, 2E Dark Sun game, which I had fun at. And I've I been wanting to try 2E for a long time, and I'm glad I did because now I know I don't want to go back. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it was, we all capped our night off with that. Let's, yeah. let's finish yeah. with that. So, David, what did you think about the Deadlands game that you got to play? Uh, so, yeah, to go back and touch upon what everyone else said, uh, my main goal going down to this was to try different systems, open myself up to see if like these are things I would get into. Um, I've had friends play Deadlands, and they're telling me, like, you got to get into it. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's a great system, guys. It's very simple. It's very easy to pick up. The post-apocalyptic, weird, wacky Western world is such a cool theme setting. The DM was absolutely fantastic with his knowledge and his presentation and just his overall ability to handle the game. That was such a great system to use for investigation. Mm-hmm. It really made what could have been a tedious and slow thing into a much faster pace, more interactive situation. And then, yeah, it was just a way to feel very powerful, made fun decisions, and let you work with it. I would definitely play Deadlands again if I could. And I know your game ran over into the time when we were playing Dark Sun, yep. so you ended up bringing us food. But Yep, yep. Uh, Dave, did you get to play anything until the Dark Sun on Sunday? A couple of things. Before uh, we close up on the Deadlands, one of the coolest things about Deadlands is the, is the bennies, mm. right? Uh, yes. So having the, the poker system. chips, you know, to, like, improve your rolls or roll mm-hmm. again and that kind of thing really adds – that mechanism 
really adds a super cool, unique mechanic to Deadlands mm-hmm. that makes it a really attractive, fun game to play. And Deadlands yep. does yep. the fun thing where, like, because normal Savage World, they just have a Benny. If they don't mm-hmm. actually use the color system, but Deadlands, having the poker aspect, uses mm-hmm. the, like, you know, it's, white chip is your base. Mm-hmm. You got your red, which is good, but kind of bad for you, and then blue, which is good for you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah and the, the gold one, the legendary chip. I love how initiative is chosen from, like, poker cards. Yeah. Um, so you are literally playing poker, gambling, while you're playing your story. It's a very Western feel. It's very good. It was such... And the Binnies is fantastic yeah. to get role-playing out of your players to really get them mm-hmm. to buy in. Because yeah. it, it's so it's such fluid change of coin. Such a great system. So... I was scheduled to go into a, a game that I've been wanting to try called Fantasy Age at 8 a.m. on Sunday. You know, usually by by the time Sunday rolls around, you know, you've had a couple late nights, you know, and you're, you know, you've, you're getting a little sleep, but you're like, okay, I got a game at 8 o'clock, so I'm going to get up at 7, get some food, and be ready to go. But, you know, you're starting to get up a little slower, especially at 49 years old, you know, you're kind of like, okay. <laughs> but uh, I knew that if I went into that game for eight hours, I'd miss the, uh, the auction, and you know, two of the main things that for me were a goal were to get to the auction and the swap mean and, and find and acquire, you know, some very specific things that, that I was able to do and we could talk about later. But um, I didn't want to miss that. So I, I didn't I didn't show up to that game, which opened up a seat for someone else to, to be able to play because I knew well, I was hoping that I was going to be in the Dark Sun game in the Sunday afternoon session, which luckily I was able to. So, Ty, yeah. tell us yeah. about some war games on Sunday. Oh, yeah. So but Sunday. Oh, let's see here. So I signed up for the Battle of Dogger Bank, which is another naval war game. It used the same system as the Battle in the Slot that I mentioned earlier, except it was World War One. It was fantastic. I, I didn't allude to the first one. The first one I played, so Friday night, the Battle in the Slot, was good, but a couple issues with it. Number one, the GM was 40 minutes late. So, Ooh. right. So we're all sitting around. Like, there's five of us. Then there's four of us. It's like, hey, is the GM ever showing up? And I actually went up to one of the uh, committee members for Dundracon while we were there. And I was like, hey, what's the what's the procedure if your GM doesn't show off? He's like, oh, we'll get you priority slips. Like, oh, okay, cool. So I go back and I sit there and, you know, two minutes later, GM shows up. All right, cool. Let's get playing. And then we played the game and it was all right. But he was like, he had the setup rapidly. It's a very complicated rule system. I was basically the only one who really grasped grasped the rules like by the end of the game the other two players on the opposite team were still like wait how do i play wait what am i rolling so it was a little tedious in that regard the one sunday morning had the same gm same rule system the dogger bank one but far more fluid right so it was me and three other players again but everyone grasped the rules a lot faster i had a better grasp on it because i'd played it once before the gm was more ready and it was it was a thoroughly great experience. I loved playing it. It was super fun. But the reason I brought up that first session is because the the next day. So this is Saturday now. Um, I'm I'm backtracking one day. One of the committee members came up to me. The same guy who ran the miniatures room. Which for those listening, how this how this whole thing works is there's lar- It's at a hotel and there's large you know, conference rooms devoted to certain things. So there's a large room for open board gaming. There's a large room for the miniatures game. And then if you play an RPG, they've rented out individual hotel rooms, which have had all the furniture taken out with a table in the middle for you to play. So you're privately playing these games. It's an incredible system. Anyway, so the person who runs the miniature room came up to me and he's like hey i you know i know you had to wait around for almost an hour for your gm the other night you had a really good attitude about it so here i, I want you to have this and gave me a priority slip 
which gets into, I don't think we've talked about tonight, how you even sign up for games. So as I mentioned earlier, there's one through eight sessions. Each session ranges from having eight to 30 games to play in. For each session, you number one through three in that order priority of what you want to play in. They put it all into a computer program, and then it generates who gets in the what. It's relatively complicated. I tried getting the information out of them. Half the people don't even know how it works. Essentially, though, it looks at what you got previously. So did you get into your number one pick last time? If you did, then you have a slightly lower priority on someone who didn't, and then it tries to tries to make it fair and equal. Bahama is some people just get hosed, and all three of your picks, you don't make them into anyone, then you're just kind of SOL. The priority slip, however, is basically a, a veto card. Like, nope, I want into this game. And so I used that to get into the second half of my Sunday, which was the one RPG I played there, Dark Sun. Dark Sun, okay. Well, before we hit Dark Sun, yep. <clears throat> do want to talk about the, the, the war game that I was most curious about, oh, right. yeah, that yeah. I was absolutely hoping and praying that Utah got into. Yeah. That was the, I think they called it, he called it the Grassy Hill. The Battle on the Grassy Hill. Which is, for Star Wars fans, David, take it away. So this is the end of episode one. So the climactic battle, the Gungan forces against the Separatist, and it's that iconic scene set against the Windows XP background um, and, and just just this beautiful beautiful battle very fun but what was super important about this one what was it it was over 700 units it for, was it was specifically yeah. 400 gungans model specific mm-hmm. 400 battle droids are you sure yeah that battle droids outnumber the gungans yeah. yeah, it was 400 okay. battle droids. So you have it back. My yeah, fault. 400 battle 400 droids. 400 battle droids, the Roger Roger droids, mm-hmm. versus 300 Gungans. And the guy had a model for each one mm-hmm. in standard 25 millimeter scale. It was unbelievable. They were setting up when the first session of the mm-hmm. war games started. <laughs> right. And by the time I came to look at the game you were playing, that World War One game, they still weren't set up. Oh, yeah. I was. I watched them probably for longer than is sane. I watched for like 15, 20 minutes, watching them just meticulously putting and lining up these droids and Gungans. It just the it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was. No. It was insane. I was fascinated by it. You know, being as someone who who you know, I would say my number one passion when it comes to my nerd hobbies is miniature wargaming. Of course, I'm intrigued by the game itself. To be clearly frank, I am. I'm actually glad I didn't get into that game because it's the kind of game where I'm like, wow, that is incredible to look upon. But that's it. Like I like. Thank you. I got my picture. I got my you know. I got my picture in front of the big ball of yarn. Have a good day. Um, <laughs> it did look like it because like, it was just straight on. Yeah, so it, it, it was like it'd a be kind line. of a slog. But so, I don't know war games as much. Yeah. So not only was it there's there it was it was from it was a six by four foot board and it was from right to left model to model and it was ranked and if you looked um, so the first off the rule system was a custom rule system homebrew didn't use any established didn't oh. use Star Wars Legion didn't use any kind of Star Wars war game. No, it was just he he had his own packet. Very nice man. Had his own packet. Like, hey, this is how it's going to work. And it was also gridded, which is not inherently a bad thing in wargaming because it simplifies movement, which is usually the most finagly part of wargaming is how do you move things that are you know accurate to what they are. But the problem for me with that game is that it was looked, looked right? I'm going to put quotes around this because it could have been incredible. I didn't play in it. It looked kind of tedious, right? You have... 400 
B1 battle droids, 300 Gungans, and they only can move directly forward, mm-hmm. right? Like a big chessboard. And I'm just, and the game went on for, you know, seven hours. And I'm just, and it also, you know, it has one of those, you know, those issues that you have with there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? They had seven players and one GM. It's like, there's, a, I, I just know looking at it, I'm like, there's going to be a lot of me looking at my phone. Right, waiting for my turn, but it, goddamn, was it gorgeous looking! It game. was beautiful to behold. It was, and they even had a, a giant like the I don't remember the creature yeah the name, shield the generator shield creature. creature. Yeah, creature. I, I don't have my Xenobiology uh, book open right now, but I don't know if and I don't know if they actually launched it or not. But they even had the like little trebuchet or not the catapult yeah. launcher for yeah the, with the little the little, little ion droids yeah. or ion ball things. Yeah, so it, it was incredible. Was, the yeah. Gungans were modeled with their shields, like the guy put so much incredible work into this like the entire thing was jaw-dropping right like it was of all the things and there was some impressive miniature stuff set up that i unfortunately didn't get into this was by far the most visually impressive Mm -hmm. i have to agree well so we we all except david who was in that amazing deadlands game we all got into dark sun i'll i'll preface my time in there i had wanted to go down and play coyote and crow and one of the guys who was running, actually, the guy who was running it was very gracious and allowed me the chance to sit in. An incident came up. I was not able to stay, so I missed out on getting to play Coyote and Crow. My second was wanting to play Dark Sun, and so I ended up joining you guys. But, David, you were the one that got in first. Actually, I think it was you and Ty both got into mm-hmm. it, right, to begin yeah. with? You guys actually got it. You got yeah. chosen. Yeah, we yeah. used Pride of Red Slips. You know, the way you get those Pride of Red Slips... <laughs> Traditionally, is if you volunteer eight hours of your time to run a game or something like that, then they give you a prior to red slip. Which, which you did. Yeah, mm-hmm. which pretty much guarantees you get into the game that you used before, and then you use your red slip that you got from that committee member. So, yeah, we were in it to begin with. You know, I, I was excited. That was the one game in the program where, like, this is what I want to play. If I don't play anything else, this is the right. game I want to get into because yeah. I'm a big fan of second edition. Although the game didn't really exemplify the, the you know, the, the, fun parts and aspects of what second edition D&D brings to the table. It was fun to play in the Dark Sun world, which I've never played in, which I thought was cool. You know, it still left me with a lot of questions, you know, but uh, I still enjoyed uh, playing in the game. Questions about Dark Sun or questions about 2E? Questions about Dark Sun, you know. Okay. Uh, I wanted to know more. I wanted more descriptive, you know, and more kind of inside on the world. Right. Um, I played, I've spent a lot of time playing second edition, and I think it's great. Uh real familiar with it and it all kind of came back to me even after all these years you know came back to me pretty quick so in the adventure we were trekking if my understand correctly initially from uruk to tear is what i think we were doing i know we were going that was from uruk yeah that was the that was the the adventure hook is that we are slaves being taken and sold from uruk to the uh, city of tear right and tear for anyone that doesn't know dark sun tear is the the Basically, the city-state that gets overthrown by the slaves. Later. And so Yes, right. And, and, That's its and own campaign. Exactly. Well, it's its own adventure, and it's also the first novel in the series. But he had the first and second edition boxes, box sets in front of him. And I think this was the adventure in the first edition box set. So this was the one before basically any of the other stuff comes out. Right. Uh, and again, like you said, before Tyr throws off the yoke of slavery. Right. But anything you guys want to add for the game? I, yeah, I had I a mean, good time. It, it went late. I mean, it went later than I felt like I was going to make it, but I plotted through. Well, it, it so 
in, to kind of start off the experience, only Dave and Ty got in, and I wanted to crash, and Barry, I know you wanted to crash as yeah, well. Yeah, after I wasn't going to be in the Coyote and Crow, I wanted to be in something. I was surprised because you two were the only people, at least at first, that showed up on time. Right. And so me and this other guy got in, and then there was, you know, one other open slot, and then, you know, I yelled, you know, shouted via text to Barry to yep. get down here. And then one of the people who... To be honest, I don't know. I'm assuming he signed up, but he, he kind of just yeah, he, he, was, just, okay. he just really up late. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I just remember him kind of like you know barging in and just kind of sitting down. And for all I know, he could have just he could have not been. It but, was kind of crazy because if I remember correctly, that game had 21 people. That's that's what I'm yeah. saying because there yeah. were so many people and maybe that just, had pre-reg. Yeah. They they had either priority regged or put that down as their first. So in the program where they tell you which games you've gotten into, they also have the ability for you to look and see how many people try to get in the game. So for example, the Coyote and Crow that I was trying to get into had 29 people. Mm-hmm. We saw numbers in I think it was the fourth session, the Saturday evening session. We saw numbers like forty-four people yeah, had for, the, this for, game down as their first choice or for priority the aliens reg. game and stuff like that. Yeah. So to have that many people in for the Dark Sun and then no all of us getting in, yeah, it was kind of crazy. So it was it was really fun. I I have also been wanting to try the Dark Sun setting for a long time and two E. So for for my experience, I did feel like I got a, a, an interesting glimpse into the world of Dark Sun. So that was fun. Which it's. Kind of what I thought. It's okay. We need to find water, and then we can do something else for now. I think he did a great job. I don't know how everyone yeah. else feels, but I think he did a great job with with making you feel how desperate you were for oh, water. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When we when he told us like in the beginning, so in the beginning, you know, we all got cut up. We're on this slave barge being transported, and then elves attack, and we get freed. But the elves say, "All right, take two days of water." And it wasn't two days for all of us. It was two days worth for like a single person. And but Dave playing a half giant, drinking needed, four gallons of water a day. Yeah, yeah. four yep. times as much as any of us. Even more so for the Thrycreen berry. That you oh, no, less for me. I, yeah. I only had I only had to drink you, one gallon of water a week. So yeah. I was in great shape. I was giving water out to everyone. So it was great. And then at the time when you got knocked out for two days, it's like okay, shit. Let's hope we can find enough water to survive. Yeah. Giving you, you know, even at half rations of two gallons. So. It, it did good, and I could see myself playing in that world a lot more. I, I think the GM did a great job. I do think that towards the end, I think he was winding down like maybe he was ready for it to stop. So the ending, there was definitely more to it, but I think we had a fun ending kind of like movie slow-mo where we're all just running from the elves rather than you know going back and fighting like we might have. But that was fun, and my experience overall with 2E... It was an interesting thing to try. Thaco took longer than I thought for me to get. I think the biggest key point was is that I was like asking the GM, okay, well, what's their AC? Like, I need to figure out if I hit. And it's like, oh, wait, no, I roll. I tell him my Thaco, and the GM does the rest. So I, I just... I see what they did, and I can see... It took me a minute. I was, like, sitting there. I was thinking, like, oh, okay, so the Thaco kind of works like this, and then, oh, I see how it transferred over to just, like, proficiency bonus. So I kind of saw the connectors. I just... I think I would have had a lot more fun if that was the edition I had started on, learned it, grew up with, and then saw where we went to. Because now I'm just, like... 
there's a lot to it and I see the merit, but I could also play Dungeon Crawl Classics, which gives me that feel, but it's a little simpler, f or like Morkborg for a more updated feel, but with that deadly aspect. Absolutely. So, and it might be that, you know, Dave, if I if you ran it, it'd probably be a different experience. I'd get to see some more aspects of it. So maybe I'd play it again, but I got to see, for the most part, what it was, and that's what I wanted. So I was happy I got to sit in on that. Anything more for the Dark Sun from you guys? No. So now we move to Monday. And I don't think any of us signed up for anything because Monday no, was no. the swap meet. That was all that was on my mind was swap meet. So swap meet, let's let's tell a little bit of swap meet stories. I will start with my favorite story, which is you found a copy of Dogs in the Vineyard. I can't believe it. That has been something I've been looking for for years, and you graciously gave me the copy yeah, you purchased. Yeah, so I was, you know, it was really fun, but kind of with the, even, I would say, even more so than the vendor's room, it was I would say 80% board games. Like, this was, yeah. like, it was yeah. just mostly yeah. board games, which, mind you, okay, but I've, I, personally, I've moved uh, slightly past my board game phase. While I still like doing board games, sometimes I also feel like I'm here four hours, maybe I could be role-playing, so I like to really pick and choose my board game times. But there was a good chunk of used RPGs, and I think my favorite row was where I found that game, because I go over, I see them putting stuff out, and I see that sitting there. I see this little. I, I love little tiny RPGs. That's my that, that's my jam. So I pick it up, and I'm like, "There's no fucking way." Okay, how much do they want for this? And I say, "Hey, how much you how much you want for this?" Like, if the guy was looking at me, he would have saw my eyes go wide for half a second because I was like, "This is like finding gold." Okay, yep. now let's see what this gold is going to cost me. And he was like, "Oh yeah, that whole box. Just pay what you want." And I'm like, "Are you?" fucking kidding me and you know i heard other you know dollar this dollar like other people doing that and i was like would you take five bucks and he's like yeah sure and i was like okay <laughs> and then quickly ran away <laughs> and I ended up going back and buying a few more things from him and i know ty you got like a real solid deal from that guy Ty, what did you get so first off swap meet starts at nine vendors could go in at 8 30 i got a little ticked off because i so Barry, you went in, you're selling stuff, and you're gracious enough for me, like, hey, Ty, come in and look at this stuff. So I followed you in. I, I walked around, and I saw a couple things, but I'm like, you know, real life, I'm, a, I'm lawful good, right? So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, and I walk out, and I'm sitting there. Specifically, there's this dude who was selling historical miniatures, right? That's my thing. Mm -hmm. And He was right next to me. Right next to Barry. literally at my table next door. And he had two totes. One had a bunch of infantry. One had a bucket of vehicles and then he had a couple little like boxes of them and stuff like that and i'm like oh my god that stuff looks good and i'm sitting there i go back out i'm waiting in line with david and it's like you know starts and opens at 9 8 55 big old dude comes walking out and he's carrying that box of models and he's like oh boy i'm like oh, what <sighs> So the question is, Ooh, next I, year will Ty be lawful good? I man, I it pushed my alignment. I'll tell you what, like I <laughs> all I did was want to buy that thing, and I was I was pretty ticked off. And he went and took it to his room, and then came back like two minutes before it started. I'm like, if he goes in there and buys all that stuff, I'm gonna be so pissed. <laughs> Luckily enough, he didn't. You know, we went in there at nine. I went right to that table. Of course, the box of vehicles was gone, but the infantry, the other boxes of uh, like there's some planes and stuff like that threw it all into the, a tote and i'm like he was like how much you know how much you want for this he's like i don't know make me an offer i said 50 bucks and he's like deal i mean i i 
probably hindsight should have haggled for less but frankly that box the you know the a pack of flames of war battlefront miniatures platoon is worth fifty dollars and there's probably six platoons in there so i mean definitely worth worth the 50 bucks yeah, yeah. but the real highlight of it go. same place where pedro found his rpg i, I so it's not on the podcast, but every Sunday I do a Warhammer Fantasy RPG. It is by far my favorite RPG ever. I know the world like the back of my hand. I, is my favorite. It's my favorite fantasy setting, and I go over there, and I play Fourth Edition uh, Fantasy. And I go over there, and he has the cool core rulebook for First Fantasy, for First Edition Warhammer Fantasy, Second Edition Warhammer Fantasy, and nine high hardcover supplement books for Second Edition Warhammer Fantasy. And my eyes go, you know, wide like Pedro's because I'm like, oh, my God. And what's cool about this is even though it's a different edition, second and fourth share the same uh, core rules. Third, third deviated and went to this weird fantasy flight system. But second and fourth have the exact same D100 system. So the, the things with a little tweaking by the GM are cr- compatible. So I was like, hey, you know, how much for this stuff? And just like Pedro's like, make me an offer. I'm like, uh, all these books, uh, $10, question mark. And he's like, deal. I'm like, <gasps> so I grabbed that. Like, that by far, like, I would have, like, I don't even know what I would have paid for that stuff. Like, I've never seen that stuff in person. Like, let alone, like, a PDF for that book probably cost 45 bucks. let alone all of that in hardcover. So I'm just, that was, like, David can attest to this. Our entire drive home, I was sitting here, here reading off bestiary entries into his ear because I'm so freaking excited about this thing. So, by far, was it was. my podcast. He was, yeah, <laughs> I was his podcast because I'm just like, you want to hear about a siren? Like, <laughs> like we're going to talk about giant crustaceans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that called? It was the Promethean. The was Promethean. The, the Promethean, yeah. the giant crab in yeah. the Warhammer Fantasy book. Anyway, so, absolutely incredible. It was a great keystone to a absolutely great time. And so I'm I'm going to save the best for last. So I'll step over to David. David, did you get anything? I did not. Well, that was this, quick. Let's go back to the real story. Uh, no, no, I didn't. There were things I was very interested in. Again, it is a very board game heavy centric area. The biggest thing I would recommend to anyone ever going to a convention. This was my first one, so I definitely wasn't prepared. Bring money and leave space in your suitcase. You don't need to bring your own dice. You don't need to bring anything. People will provide for you. Bring cash. Bring bring cash. cash. Yeah, do not bring, bring plastic. Yeah, it's apparently it's the only thing that isn't. It's it's just as fantasy there as it is in the real world. It means nothing. But there was some great stuff. The biggest thing I always like, uh, especially now, is getting into miniatures, and they have some gorgeous miniature statuettes, like large uh, dwarven bust of things, like great stuff. I just, it's so expensive when you go and look at it, you're like, hey, am I going to buy this full replica, like German castle with drawbridge activated, like easily takes up the size of this table, two thousand dollars and you're like <laughs> i'll just imagination guys it's is way that actually, is that actually what he wanted for that yeah he wanted two thousand dollars for that castle yeah well, it was that, impressive it was impressive. it was a cool castle but no, God no, damn. no that's no, insane it's cool it's cool and like i i talked to ty because ty you know 
prints off his little miniatures. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I'm not going to buy a castle if it doesn't open. Like, <laughs> it's just really a cool, like, diorama. Um, only when I circled around later, because I just walked around a lot to see what was there and double-check stuff. Clearly, he had tried to show people that it could open, and that was a huge kerfuffle. He made a terrible plan. He spent, I'm assuming, the rest of that swap meet just trying to piece that castle back together. <laughs> um, so, you know, hubris on, like, hey, man, this is... This is what you want. Don't don't move these pieces. So our big winner mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. flea market was Dave. Tell us about your haul. Well, when I, when I originally decided, you know, I knew I was going to go to Dundercon, but the thing I had in mind was, you know, the auction and the swap meet because last year when we went, you know, yeah. we really got some great deals and we really did. stuff. And I've been trying to fill some holes, especially with like D and D and spell jammers and different things that are coming out, trying to buy some of the old products that are hard to come by and very expensive on places like eBay and other marketplaces. And uh, I knew that, Hey, you know, I'm either going to go and find like spell jammer box set original, you know, at Dundercon somewhere, or I'm going to go on eBay and buy it the next day after I leave. And you know, it's about 150 bucks. And you know, me, I'm kind of uh, you know, I, I believe that everyone needs to get in there and they need to accomplish their own personal goals and what they want, you know, to come out. So, you know, me, I don't have any qualms about walking in that door unless some committee person says, hey, you, you don't belong in here, get out. Those guys are there. To, they are, they're, as soon as their shit hits the table, they're ready. Money's going to talk. And I came in to move mountains. I had a large pocket full of money. And I said, you know what? I'm going to buy whatever I want here. I'm going to walk out with this stuff. And I was able to find that spell jammer box, you know, and they kind of haggled the guy down a little bit. And, uh, you know, and I walked out very happy. I got some, uh, you know, original first edition AD&D books that filled some spots on my shelf. And, you know, once I had that, I knew I was I was good to go. I didn't need to see anything else. And I headed on out. I was showing Ty and Dave. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to hit the road. So, yeah, I, I did well. And I, uh, I accomplished what I set out to accomplish. And, uh, you know, it was a win for me. So next year, you know, I don't know what's next, but... Well, that, that, that then, that's a perfect way to close. Let me ask each of you, as far as next year for 2024, David, you're nodding your head. I'm going to start with you. Oh, like What so, are you doing next year at Dundercon? Are you joining us? Oh, yeah. I would love to go back again, guys. Like I said, first-time convention. I highly recommend, even if you're not a nerd and you have something that is a convention that isn't something you love, absolutely go to it. It is a once-in-a-lifetime experience to just hang with people and be in your element is a true passion enthusiast and then get to deal with it i would love to go again i'm absolutely going to run games i was worried about my caliber as a dm about my preparedness you realized Um, and i was like dude i could do this and i don't know if it'd be okay ty for us to talk a little bit about that you could talk about it's in the Uh, it's in the alpha pre it's whatever prototype stage but yeah you can talk about it we're in the the planning stage i really like the fantasy flight star wars games and having talked to ty about the stalingrad how uh, and some of his other games, the units that survived carried over into other games. Yeah. That is such a great mechanic. It built such an awesome world. So Ty and I are planning to make both of our interests united. Ty is going to try to run a Star Wars war game that would be uh, simultaneously going and uh, influencing my RPG that would be happening on a different day. Oh, wow. So it would be just like the movies. The starship battle is affecting the ground battle. I will keep track of whatever units have gone down, how that influences whatever the mission is. I think it could be a really cool play on system. It was a wonderful experience. 
Okay. Would love to do it again with you guys next year. All right. Uh, well, Ty, that, that leads to you. Are you going? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. All right. Do you, do you want to tell us anything more about what you're planning on doing there? Are you just going to run a war game and we're going to have to wait and see next year? Yeah, yeah. You know, running a war game would be uh, would be really great. RPG would be, I feel like, a little more of a confidence booster. Uh, you know, nothing more depressing than putting a game out there and no one signing up for it. Uh, I think if I were to run Star Wars, it'd be pretty pretty safe bet there. You know, a lot of people there's a brand recognition with that, and yeah. So as as David uh, talked about, we're, we've discussed the idea of running a cooperative story when it comes to our two things that we'll be playing next year. It's just a matter of hammering out. You know, we want to we want to do something special, right? We don't mm-hmm. like, you know, ship A falls in area B. Like, oh look, RP, look look, ship falling and it's hitting area B. Like, mm-hmm. we want to make it special. So yep. there's a lot okay. to hammer out. I mean, we got a year to pick. You guys have out. a year. Yep. Yeah. So, Dave, how about you? I I, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you to put it on air. You yeah, going next I'm, year? Yeah. I mean, I've been going to Dundercon for close to 20 years now, and and uh, there's not a whole lot that'll keep me from that convention. You know, I, I definitely plan on being there and. And I definitely plan on running a game as I encourage every year people to run games. The more games that are on the program, you know, the more uh, games that people have the availability to choose from and try new things. It just makes the whole experience better. So, uh, yeah, you, you'll find me there. I love the thought of bragging rights between all the people from NCRP Productions going down there and saying, well, my game had 51. Right. You know, I'm going to lose I that game. I set the record. I set the record. <laughs> Pedro, how about you? This is your first uh, convention, other than the small ones we've had in our area. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, after this one. It was it was such a fun time. Just like David said, I mean, get get out whatever your interest is. Get to a con because I wasn't I wasn't sure how it was gonna be. You know, I mean, I I knew I was gonna have fun, but as soon as I got there and started like walking around and doing stuff, it just it just felt great. So it was really nice being around. All these people that like the same interest. I mean, you could throw a rock and hit somebody and talk mm. to them probably for hours. Especially because so, you just and apologize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, throw it into the right throw it in the right room. You have a good LARP on your hand. So yeah. um, fireball, fireball. Uh, so um, I would definitely. I'm definitely going to go again next year. I'm definitely going to run something. Okay. I'm not entirely. I'm not 100 percent sure, but. Since there was only one Deadlands game and so many people tried to sign up for it, I think I might do that because oh, I love I think Deadlands. Be great. Lost um, Colony. Yeah, it's one of them. The Lost Colony, Hell on Earth, or or regular Deadlands. I, either one. I think I'm going to run a Deadlands. Also, something we didn't mention, we did all go down together and we all did have t-shirts on. So it right. was also cool just to kind of be like, walking around the con see from across the way like oh there's one of us so i'm looking forward to next year also because i think we're going to probably get even more people to go i think down. we are from the from the podcast I had somebody asked so. what that was what what the shirt was that's yeah, good yeah, 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 yeah. So and you told them and gave that? gave them a business uh-huh. card right uh-huh. yeah, yeah exactly. so we got to do a little little fun networking and it was also cool just i got got a few pictures and they'll be up on the patreon just to kind of just showing us walking walking around in mass so I like the fact that I came home on Monday evening, popped onto YouTube, and I'd like to believe it's because of this, but we had three new people, three new subscribers on our YouTube channel over the weekend. So kind of cool. For me, I'm definitely planning on going next year. Only situational stuff outside of gaming is going to stop me from going. And Dave pushed me to run something, and I I bailed this year because I knew how crazy it was going to be next year. I think I'm going to do the same as you guys. I think I want to run. Yeah. 
So, well, that's that's kind of our Dundercon special. Yeah, that's so, our con episode. Oh, for the record, it's Dundrucon, yes, not Dundercon. Right. Dundercon, get her done. It is Dundrucon. I'm yeah. looking at Which it. stands for Live Dungeons action. and Dragons Convention. Yes. Right. Not, but yes. for the record, right. Dave and Barry, without fail, will always call it Dundercon. And when I, when I was first hearing about this game, they're like, oh, it's Dundercon. I Googled it. Like, what's Dundercon? <laughs> it's a... It is a Dunder Mifflin convention where they play, where they watch The Office or something. They dress up as Dwight Schrute. I don't know. It's weird. It is not the same. This is Dundra-Con. Not a single person I talked to called it anything but Dundra-Con. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, yeah, is no, it is. a hard D. Yep. When you're searching Dundra. it up, we did not go to an office convention. Correct. No, no. Just to make sure I did. I did so dress funny. like Dwight Schrute, but that is unrelated. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were like from a distance. You know, in my glass on, I saw you on Monday morning. You were wearing the uh, the black shouldered gold, uh, you know, yep. sweater, and I thought you were in a Star Trek LARP. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were like uh, yeah. you were engineering, right? And you were dressed for the LARP. Uh, was, that's uh, well, well, first off, that's not engineering. That's the captain's uniform for well, it's command. It's command. It's command no. and engineering. Yeah, it's command. No and engineering, engineering is red normally. I, I don't no, know. No tactical and, is red. I just know. I just know Kirk and, wore that. Know, in the original, <laughs> blue is science. Gold was in, was yeah. was uh, uh, commanders, commanders. And then in next generation, it switched over. Yeah. So good times. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. All right. Well, thank you. Hi, thanks for joining us. Dave, thanks for sure. joining us. David, glad you were here. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Pedro, till next time. Till next time, everyone. Thank you. See good you night. next year. Have a great one, guys. Right. Thank you for joining us on another NCRP Productions podcast. We couldn't do this without you, so please like and subscribe everywhere we're found including YouTube, Facebook, Anchor, Google, Apple, Spotify, and other great podcast sites. If you'd like to help us continue making more content, we'd love to have your support on our Patreon. And if you have any feedback for us, please feel free to comment on our podcasts or email us directly at ncrpproductions at gmail.com. That's N-C-R-P-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S at gmail.com. And we'd like to give a special shout out to our current patrons, M.D. Parker 4, Chef Francis, Crowman76, Loading Mad Cat, M. Coling, November Stevenson, and Rosix13. Thank you all. We truly, truly appreciate it.